It is Monday, and that means another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. How has everybody been? How was your weekend? Oh, I had a great Easter weekend with the family. Now I'm back, still grinding as a sportscaster and now a sports writer. I'll get into that. But I just want to remind all you listeners that you are listening to us on Noonan Zone. WQEE 99.1 FM, the key, right after Rod Peterson and right before Braves Country Baseball with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. This show is brought to you by Active Pest Control, The Mold Man, and Wishbone Fried Chicken. And this is episode 598. My 600th episode will air live on Facebook Tuesday night. And nobody, not even Charles Minder, is going to prevent me from having my 600th episode. Call it what you want. Maybe it's ego. Maybe it's just grinding. Maybe if I do enough of these, then one of these days I might get discovered. Who knows? We do have a great show. I have the Masters recap. John Rahm becomes the fourth Spaniard to win the Masters. The NBA regular season ended, and we got NBA playoffs coming up. The playing games start Tuesday night, and I'm going to preview the NBA playoffs, including a matchup that is near and dear to my heart. I mean, y'all know that I'm a resident of Northern California, right? And the Braves... They lose three out of four against the San Diego Padres. The Padres are just a really good team. This was a tough homestand, but they're playing the Reds. So let's get right into the show. Isn't the Masters incredible? Now, if you were there when the tree fell, I really feel for you because that was very shocking. And a lot of people that were there were just shaken up by it. Hopefully nobody was hurt. And that's a good thing. But there was some rain that suspended play in the second round. It got pushed up to Saturday in the third round. But the Masters wrapped up late Sunday night. I mean, it was still light outside. And John Rahm wins it with a minus 12. You know, he actually started the Masters the first hole, day one, with a double bogey. And he's able to... To win a four-shot victory. It's his second major. You know, he won the U.S. Open back in 2021. And he becomes the fourth Spaniard. The last Spaniard to do it was Sergio Garcia in 2017. But John Rahm, what an incredible day. Shooting a 69 on the final day. And even though this wasn't wire-to-wire I was watching on Sunday. It was compelling. Brooks Kepka had a four-shot lead at one point. He was going into the final day with a two-shot lead. So it was entertaining. It got the TV audience glued to the TV screen. But right after that back nine, we knew that John Rahm was going to win this thing. He at one time had a four-stroke lead. And when you have a four-stroke lead, you could just play conservative. I mean, nobody was catching him. There wasn't anybody that was making incredible shots. Now, Phil Mickelson, he finished second. He shot a minus seven, a 65. And that is the lowest score in Masters history for a 50-year-old. 
Phil Mickelson, the ageless wonder, playing in his 30th Masters. And, I mean, this guy who won the Masters three times, the last time in 2010, he finishes in second place along with Brooks Kepka, who finished in second place with a minus eight. Now, Brooks Kepka, he had a very rough final day as he had a plus three. Now, Brooks Kepka, I actually was going to get on the show today and write the narrative that Brooks Kepka, who has four majors already, I mean, if, if he would have won his fifth major, you could put him in the same category with a Tiger, with a Phil, with a Jack Nicholas. I mean, that is a very incredible feat. And Brooks Kepka, being one of the live golfers, going up against John Rahm, going toe-to-toe, but John Rahm just made better shots. Down the stretch, Brooks Kepka made some terrible shots. And then Jordan Spieth. He had a very good day that final day as well with a minus six. He was in a three-way tie for fourth place with Patrick Reed, the 2018 Masters champion, and Columbus's own Russell Henley, the 33-year-old, the Macon native that went to the University of Georgia. Columbus is his residence. He is a member of the Columbus Country Club, just like Larry Mize and Ben Carr, I believe. And a big shout-out to Jonathan Shushke, a.k.a. Buckets, for giving some props to Russell Henley. This was his best finish in his PGA career. Russell Henley had an amazing day shooting a minus seven and finishing in fourth place. Before this, his best Masters finish was tied for 11th. He never finished in the top 10. And this is going to be a story in Columbus. I know that we talk about Larry Mize and we talk about the incredible shot in 1987 to win the green jacket. But Russell Henley was in contention on the final day. So I just want to give props where props is due to the Fountain City's own Russell Henley. And I believe with a long PGA career that Russell Henley will get a spot in the Chattahoochee Sports Hall of Fame. See, on this show, it's all about uplifting the local residents of Columbus. And if you do great things, you're going to get mentioned on this show. And Russell Henley is one of those players that should be recognized in the Chattahoochee Valley. I can't wait to see what he does in the PGA Championship, U.S. Open, and the Open Championship. You know I'm a golf fan. I play golf every once in a while. And I know I don't pay attention to golf during just the regular tour events. That I only pay attention during the majors. And, you know, call it what you want. Maybe I'm the casual golf fan. But I absolutely am fascinated by the Masters. And even though Tiger Woods, who made the cut, barely... He had to withdraw from the Masters because of the injury in round three. Some of the notable scores in the Masters. My favorite to win it, Rory McIlroy, well, he ended up missing the cut. But Sam Bennett, the amateur, shot a minus two. And a local Columbus native, Ben Carr, also played as an amateur, shot a plus five, but he did not make the cut, unfortunately. Defending Masters champion Scotty Scheffler finished tied for 10th with a minus 4. Colin Markawa also finished minus 4. He won the Masters in 2020. And the ageless one, Fred Couples, made the cut and he shot with a plus 9. 
but he tied for 50. You got to understand how old Fred Couples is. That is incredible that Fred Couples made the cut at the Masters. Ladies and gentlemen, Fred Couples is 63 years old. He is the oldest person to make the cut at the Masters. Unbelievable. And you know, he won the Masters in 1992 as well. I, I cannot wait. The PGA Championship is the next major. And that will take place at the Oak Hill East course, May the 18th through the 21st. That is in Rochester, New York. I do like that the PGA Championship got moved up from August to May. But, you know, I got time to talk golf. I'll talk golf on this show as long as there is a major coming up. All right, switching gears, let's talk NBA playoffs. Yes, that's right. The NBA season officially came to an end last night. And the Atlanta Hawks, which were resting most of their starters, they know who they're going to play in the play-in game. They lost to the Boston Celtics last night, 120-114 to 114 at the Garden. They will travel down to Miami to take on the Miami Heat in the play-in game on Tuesday night, tip-off at 7.30 on TNT. You know, these two teams don't really need to be playing in the play-in game. They both have talent to make deep runs in the NBA playoffs when healthy. But the Atlanta Hawks finished the regular season with a 41-41 and record. Remember, they fired Nate McMillan in the middle of the season. In comes Quinn Snyder, still trying to learn his system and still trying to see if they can get healthy. Yeah, I think they could beat the Heat in one game. The other playing game, oh, I cannot wait for this one. You know when Rudy Gobert was playing alongside Carl Anthony Towns? Minnesota was a different team. They're taking on the Los Angeles Lakers in the crypto arena. The Lakers were desperately trying to avoid the play-in game. They beat the Utah Jazz 128-117 to on Sunday. LeBron James hit eight three-pointers with 36 points. You don't think LeBron is ready to win this play-in game and try to avoid having to play the Denver Nuggets in the first round? Now, here's what's going to happen on Tuesday night. The winner of the Hawks' heat, We'll get the number seven seed. The winner of the Timberwolves Lakers will get the number seven seed. And then on Wednesday night, the battle for the 9-8, the Chicago Bulls taking on the Toronto Raptors. And then the OKC Thunder taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. The winner of that game will play the loser of the 7-8 play-in game. And then we will have on Friday the eighth seed game. So the loser of the 7-8 game will take on the winner of the 8-9 game for the right to get the number 8 seed in the NBA playoffs. That will start Saturday, April the 15th. Starting at 1 p.m., you got the Brooklyn Nets taking on the 76ers. I think the Sixers are going to win this series. There's too much firepower. Yeah, I like Nick Claxton. But you have the, probably the MVP candidate, Joel Embiid. Averaging 33 points a game. I like some of the pieces that Brooklyn has. I mean, they have Ben Simmons, which got shut down for the remainder of the season. Seth Curry is a good shooter, just like his brother. Dorian Finney-Smith was acquired from the Kyrie trade. And they also have Miles Bridges and Cam Johnson, Spencer Denwiddle. They got a lot of complimentary pieces 
They don't have any superstars, and that's why I think the Sixers are going to win this series. I'm going to say the Sixers are going to win it in five. The next game on Saturday will be the Boston Celtics that are going to take on the number seven seed. So the winner of the Heat and the Hawks know that they will play Saturday at 3.30 p.m. against the Boston Celtics. Then on Saturday at 6 p.m., you have the two unlikely teams that made it into the playoffs, the New York Knicks taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I actually think the Knicks are going to get the upset. They are going to beat the Cavaliers in six, but their run is going to end in the second round. And then the Saturday game at the Golden One Center. First playoff game in Sacramento since 2006. It is the battle for Northern California, the Golden State Warriors, taking on the Sacramento Kings. And you think the Golden State Warriors are happy they're playing the Kings rather than playing the Suns? You betcha. I don't know what happened in that game with the Clippers coming back and beating the Phoenix Suns because the way the Golden State Warriors manhandled the Portland Trailblazers, that was absolutely incredible. And the Warriors are a dangerous playoff team, especially if Andrew Wiggins is healthy. That is going to be the factor. I think if Andrew Wiggins plays in this series, I think the Warriors beat the Kings in seven because they will find a way to steal one in Sacramento. Remember, both teams are not going to travel that far. The Warriors are just going to go up I-80 into Sacramento, which is about an hour and a half away. But why is this series so significant for me? Being a resident of Northern California, born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, I grew up rooting for the Golden State Warriors. Grew up rooting for the Warriors when they had Run TMC, Mitch Richmond, Tim Hardaway, and Chris Mullen. I followed the Warriors in 93 when they had Latrell Sprewell and Chris Weber. Don Nelson leading that team that had great players like Billy Owens, Terry Teagle, Sharunas Marshallonis. And then all of a sudden, when Don Nelson left, and they had Rick Adelman, and they had some years where they drafted Joe Smith, number one in 95. I mean, it was just a train wreck of a franchise. Because 1997, probably the biggest moment which caused me to say, I'm out. When Latrell Sprewell choked his coach, P.J. Carlissimo, and the Warriors traded him to the New York Knicks for John Starks, Clarence Weatherspoon, just a bunch of players. And also, in 1997, I moved with my family to Sacramento. Now, that first year in Sacramento, I went to a Warriors-Keens game at the old Arco Arena, and I was rooting for the Warriors. I wasn't quite yet a Keens fan Back then, the Kings had Mitch Richmond, Corliss Williamson. But the 1998-1999 season changed everything when they drafted a point guard by the name of Jason Williams. I was a big Jason Williams fan. I got his jersey. I actually dressed up as Jason Williams for Halloween. He even drew the tattoos on my arms. Now, I don't have any tattoos. Don't worry. But Jason Williams was an electric player. The Keens traded Mitch Richmond. That was not a popular move. 
because Mitch Richmond was their franchise player. They traded him to the Washington Wizards for Chris Webber. They got Vladi Divac pretty much a gift from the Lakers because Divac went to the Charlotte Hornets. He filed for free agency, went to the Sacramento Kings, and then the Kings landed a gym as a small forward. Peja Stojakovic, they got Doug Christie in the Nick Anderson-Doug Christie trade in 2000 to, to get that defense better. Sacramento was on a mission. They were considered the greatest show on court. They made the playoffs. They lost to the Jazz in five in 1999. They lost to the Lakers in five in 2000. This was the Lakers team that won the championship. And then, you know, they got swept in 2001 by the Lakers. And then they said, okay, we're not going to beat the Lakers if we have this team. So they did a very unpopular move once again. They traded away Jason Williams to the Vancouver Grizzlies for Mike Bibby. That turned out better because Bibby was a better point guard defensively. And he was also a better offensive point guard. Getting Doug Christie, Mike Bibby, I still think to this day that the Sacramento Kings starting five in 2002 is the greatest starting five never to win an NBA title. Still to this day, I am bitter about the 2002 Western Conference Finals because the Kings had the Lakers. They had them. They should have beat them in game six. And it makes me sick to my stomach, the whole Tim Donaghy thing. Yes, I watched the Netflix documentary and I am absolutely disgusted. But I thought the Kings were just going to have this amazing run of winning championships. 2003, I thought that they could have won it, but Chris Webber got hurt. They lose to the Dallas Mavericks. 2004, once again, they're playing the number one seed Minnesota Timberwolves, and they lose, and they should have won that, that series. And the Lakers ended up going to the finals that year with Carl Malone, Gary Payton, Shaq, Kobe. 2005, that was when they traded Chris Webber. I did not like that move. I know that Webber had a lot of injuries. He was injured for most of the season in 2004. I was not a fan of that move. I did not like the fact. I know they had Brad Miller, and they had some other players like Katino Mobley. You know, They got some players. Sharif Abdul-Rahim joined the team in, in 2005. They traded away Peja Stojakovic for Ron Artest, now Meta World Peace. But when they let Rick Adelman go, and I know, say what you want. Right after Rick Adelman, Eric Musselman was their coach. I know he's doing great things at Arkansas, but back then, back in 2007, he was not ready to be a coach. I thought Reggie Theus did a pretty good job. They had Sacramento. I mean, for, for all that it's worth, they have earned this playoff spot because they have hit home runs on some of the lottery picks like De'Aaron Fox, Keegan Murray, but they've also whiffed on some lottery picks like Marvin Bagley III and Jimmer Fredette. But Sacramento's here because of that Tyrese Halliburton trade to Indiana, along with Buddy Heald, for Domitatus Sabonis, which is an all-star double-double power forward. So that is the perfect combination, getting Domitatus Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox playing alongside each other, along with Harrison Barnes, the former Golden State Warrior that won a championship with the Warriors. I think that is going to be a key. He is going to be the key. And then Kevin Herter. If Kevin Herter shoots the lights out, I think the Kings have a chance to beat the Warriors. I know the Warriors are going to be a favorite, but this is a series I cannot wait for. I've been waiting my entire life to see the Kings Warriors in the playoffs. And I know that Northern California is buzzing right now. It has got to be an incredible atmosphere 
to have the Sacramento Kings back in the playoffs once again. And then the Golden State Warriors, who have won four titles. I mean, the Warriors have been spoiled. And yes, I've been a bandwagon fan. I've gone back to the Warriors. And now, you know, I'm rooting for both teams. So it is going to be tough. So the winner of this series, I'm going to cheer for the rest of the way. Unless they play the Atlanta Hawks in the NBA Finals. But that's neither here or there. All right, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. But when we come back, the Tampa Bay Rays are still undefeated. That record of starting 13-0 is still intact. And the Atlanta Braves do take one on the chin against the San Diego Padres. They were in action Sunday night baseball on ESPN. And uh, three out of four. Ah, oh, that's just got to be tough. And Odell Beckham Jr. has a new team. But will that be enough to keep a certain franchise player in that organization. All right, we'll be back with a quick break. You don't want to go anywhere. Active Pest Control offers the best services and prices to protect your home, offering both monthly and quarterly pest control services, plus specific services like bed bugs, German roach, and flea control. Even if you can't see them, insects are all around you 24-7. Active Pest Control wants to be the first line of defense. Active Pest Control, repair, bond, Best termite coverage around. Active Pest Control, 34 Jefferson Street, Newton, 770-954-9941. Want to give back to your community in a meaningful way? Cares for Kids is a Keller Williams Realty-founded charity in which 100% of money raised goes directly to children in need in our area. Cares for Kids helps fund local organizations like Angel's House, Coweta Casa, Elevate, and more. Help Cares for Kids reach their mission of serving 1 million children. Call 678-634-9770 today to learn more on how to be involved or text k for k Noonan to 44321 to donate. This week's Property of the Week is located at 688 Cheatham Road in Griffin, Georgia. This 32.14 acre tract is waiting to find its new owner. This property features a three bed, two bath home built in 1890. An 18 by 28 utility shed ran with its own power and water, fencing for horses and other livestock, and timber such as pine, oak, and pecan trees. Call 678-634-9770 for more information. Welcome back to the show. This is the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. I am your host, Richard Holdridge. No guest today, but I'm going to try to rev up the guest list this week. But right now, it's up in the air. I'm not sure who's going to be the guest on the show. I try to get Justin Dale on every now and then to talk Braves. I try to get Gabe Reynolds on to talk basketball and also Thrift Behringer. I would like to try to get Thrift Behringer on the show as well. Boy, we had just a rough night last night. The Atlanta Braves, the Braves lost that Sunday night baseball game by a score of 10 to 2 after losing 5 to 4 on Friday and 4 to 1 on Saturday in front of great crowds at Truett's Park. Over 40,000 fans. It was a great homestand. The Braves are just not happy with the result, but hopefully with the Cincinnati Reds coming to town, they will get Kyle Wright and Max Freed back in the pitching rotation. It's just they were thin on pitching. That's really what it was. The Padres take three out of four 
against the Atlanta Braves. And this is the best team in the National League. With the Dodgers struggling, Padres are 5-4. and four. I know their record doesn't show a whole lot, but when they get Fernando Tatis back, look out. Right now, you know, the Braves still in first place. They are only 6-4 and four on the season. But the Atlanta Braves will take on the Cincinnati Reds today at Truitts Park as Bryce Elder, 1-0 on the season, taking on Graham Ashcraft. Cincinnati is 4-4 four four on the season. They'll take him on for a three-game series, and uh, this weekend they're going to travel up to Kansas City to take on the Kansas City Royals. The most shocking start to the Major League Baseball season is the Tampa Bay Rays, who are 9-0. and They are trying to catch the 1982 Braves and the 1987 Brewers. Both teams started 13-0. That is still on the line. But it's going to be tough because they're taking on the Boston Red Sox for a four-game series. But the Tampa Bay Rays got back-to-back 11-0 wins over the Oakland Athletics. And right now, the worst team in the league is the Oakland Athletics with a 2-7 record. I don't know what's going to happen with the A's. I thought this was a historic, great franchise when they had owner Charlie Murphy, the flamboyant owner that won three World Series titles in the 1970s, shipped away Reggie Jackson. They won the World Series in 1989. They had an incredible run with the big three, Mark Mulder, Tim Hudson, and Barry Zito, and should have won some World Series in the early 2000s. In fact, the movie Moneyball was based on the 2002 Oakland Athletics that shipped away that shipped away Jason Giambi and Johnny Damon. I love that movie. That's still one of my favorite sports movies of all time. But it's because of that movie, the general manager for the Oakland Athletics, Billy Bean, still has a job. The A's don't want to spend money. No, I'm just being real. I'm not trying to be an A's hater just because I like the Giants. I grew up rooting for the Athletics as well. I actually went to more A's games Then I did Giants games because where I was living in the Bay Area, it was easier to go to the Oakland Coliseum just to take BART. It was more difficult to get to San Francisco. So I have been to more A's games. It's sad to see what the A's franchise has become. So we have had about a week and a half of baseball so far in this opening season, 2023 and no surprise, I talked about the Tampa Bay Rays. The Yankees are right behind them with a 6-3 and record. Toronto is 6-4. and Boston is 5-4. and And the Orioles are 4-5. and So the American League East looks pretty good right now. You got the Minnesota Twins leading the AL Central right alongside the Cleveland Guardians. That's a half game behind. Texas and the Anaheim Angels are 5-4, and tied for first place. Houston and Seattle are 4 and 6. You got the Braves still in first place, just a game above the Mets with a 5 and 5 record. The Milwaukee Brewers have the best record in the National League with a 7 and 2 record, followed by the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, the Pirates haven't really done anything since 2014 and when you see the Pirates at 6 and 3, that is great for that franchise. I want to see the Pirates do well. Huge fan of 
what the Pirates have done over the years. Of course, the last time they won the World Series was 1979, the We Are Family. That was a great year for the city of Pittsburgh, too. Yeah, the Steelers winning the Super Bowl as well. And over in the NL West, the Arizona Diamondbacks. This is shocking. They have the best record right now with a 6-4 and four record. The Dodgers are 5-5. Five and five. Well, you know that's not going to cut it. They have lost three straight. The Giants are 4-5. and five. I'm not too shocked. And then my dark horse, the Rockies, well, they're struggling right now with a 4-6 and six record, but they got a run differential of 14. They are getting pounded in some of these games. Switching gears and going to the NFL, it is official. Odell Beckham Jr. agrees to a one-year $15 million deal to play for the Baltimore Ravens. Does this mean that Lamar Jackson is going to stay in Baltimore? For the longest time, Lamar Jackson has not had any weapons. They were hoping that Hollywood Brown would pop and be an elite wide receiver. Rashad Bateman just can't stay healthy. OBJ is the difference maker that could lead the Baltimore Ravens to a Super Bowl. Look at the impact he made with the Rams. Because if he if he did not leave that game with the ACL injury, I think that that game is even more lopsided with the Rams' Super Bowl victory. And Odell Beckham Jr. is still in his prime. He's only 30 years old. But this was the move that the Baltimore Ravens had to make in order to keep Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Hey, the Titans agreed to principal on a four-year, $94 million deal with defensive lineman Jeffrey Simmons. That's a big move for the Tennessee Titans as well. And then the Kansas City Chiefs signed Richie James. My goodness, the rich get richer. I mean, seriously, how many weapons can the Kansas City Chiefs, already a stacked roster, add to their team? Unbelievable. Hey, the NFL Draft is coming up in a couple of weeks. You know, one of these shows, I'm going to have my mock NFL draft. Like right now, we all know who the first two picks are going to be. It's either going to be Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. And not in that order. But Carolina's got the overall number one pick. The NFL draft will take place April 27th. This is going to be in Kansas City, Missouri. I love it when the NFL draft moves from cities to cities. One year it was in Vegas. One year it was in Nashville. Well, hopefully we can get it in Atlanta. That would be pretty sweet. And then in the month of May, we got the NFL schedule release coming out as well. I mean, even though this is the offseason, we do have XFL football. Here's the XFL breakdown so far in the league. You had the Roughnecks beating the San Antonio Brahmas. You had the St. Louis Battlehawks beating the Vegas Vipers. And the Arlington Renegades defeated the Orlando Guardians. But the game of the season so far in the XFL was the D.C. Defenders getting the victory on the road 34-33 over the Seattle Sea Dragons. D.C. is now 7-1. and on the season, they have the best record in the XFL. The Seattle Sea Dragons fall to 5-3. and three. As the XFL season will wrap up, the semifinals will be the week of April 29th and 30th. The championship game for the XFL 
will be Saturday, May the 13th. And no, they are not going to call it the million dollar game. I don't think they will call that that championship the million dollar game. But I think what's going to happen is the XFL is going to have one full season and they will be successful. They will finish this season and hopefully we can get year two in the XFL because it's been a success. When you get more than 30,000 fans at a St. Louis Battlehawks game, that's a winner. And don't forget, we got USFL games coming up in two weeks. And this year, we're going to have four host cities. Birmingham, the defending champion, Birmingham Stallions. We got the brand new expansion team, the Memphis Showboats, welcoming back the Showboats into the USFL. They're going to be a host city. Detroit is going to be a host city. And Canton, Ohio is going to be a host city. I cannot wait for the USFL. It's always great when we have football during the spring and summer months. And don't forget, May the 14th is the home opener for the Columbus Lions at the Columbus Civic Center as they will play in the American Indoor Football Alliance as they have changed leagues. And this has really been bittersweet because this was opening weekend in the NAL and the former Columbus Lions head coach Jason Gibson got the victory. The Jacksonville Sharks got the win over the West Texas Warbirds. But congratulations to Coach Gibson for getting a victory with the Jacksonville Sharks. I'm just a little disappointed that the Columbus Lions could not reach a deal to stay in the NAL. This is the league where the Lions need to be. I don't think that just because Coach Gibson left, just because our best player Darian Townsend left, just because our defensive coordinator Damian Daniels left, doesn't mean that the Columbus Lions can't be competitive. I think that head coach Chris McKinney is going to do a fantastic job. I believe the Columbus Lions would have competed in the NAL, and that is the goal. I talked to Zach Kyleman, host of the Inside the Walls podcast that covers NAL, and I said, I believe the Columbus Lions are going to return to the NAL in 2024. Let's make it happen. I mean, I'm going to get the word out, and I'm going to continue supporting the Columbus Lions as long as I am calling their games. So come on out to the Columbus Civic Center May the 14th as they will take on the South Florida Thunder. It should be a good one. I'm really interested to see what this roster is going to look like. But yeah, the Columbus Lions have been a staple in the Fountain City and the longest-running sports franchise here in Columbus. All right, it's about that time to take my second commercial break. But when we come back, I will recap the weekend for the Columbus River Dragons, talk a little bit about high school baseball, and the Columbus Rapids will have two games this upcoming weekend, taking on the Fayetteville Fury on Friday, and then back at home on Sunday, taking on the Tampa Bay Strikers. I will preview those two games and action in the NISL as well. You don't want to go anywhere. Stick around. We'll be right back. Wishbone Fried Chicken is back in a brand new location. 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A here in Noonan. Same great taste. The best chicken around. Fish dinners. Open Monday through Saturday, 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Dine in. Take out is Wishbone Fried Chicken right next door to their former location, bringing you the best chicken around. So great. Wishbone Fried Chicken, 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A, here in Noonan. 
Got mold? Call the Mold Man, specializing in crawl space and interior mold remediation, encapsulations, and basement waterproofing since 2019. The Mold Man team takes pride in keeping your family healthy and your home mold free. Visit our website, themoldmanllc.com, to schedule a quote or give us a call at 678 227 9763. Hey sports fans, it's Rod Peterson here, host of the Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern. You'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Hey, sports fans. Weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Drive time. WQEE. Braves Country is a Southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Welcome back to the show. This is the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, and I am your host, Richard Holdridge. Don't forget that Tuesday night, live on my Facebook page, I'm going to have my 600th episode. Could have some surprise guests in there. You never know. All right. The Columbus River Dragons, their regular season is almost over. But they split the series against the Carolina Thunderbirds over the weekend at the Columbus Civic Center. They won the first game 3-2. to two. You had goals by Jacob Kelly, Alex Storjahan, and Thomas Allworth. And then on Saturday night, they lose 3-1 to one to their longtime rival, Carolina. They just could not overcome that 3-0 deficit. They did get a goal by Thomas Allworth. And the Krupp watch is still, Jay Krupp has got 98 goals. He is too shy away from 100 goals in his lustrous career in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. Here are your updated standings. In the Continental Division, Carolina has overtaken the Columbus River Dragons as the number one team. They have 114 points. Columbus with a 39-11-4 record with 113 points. It's going down to the wire, y'all. We've got two more games in the regular season. Anything can happen. Columbus will take on the Carolina Thunderbirds on Friday at the Winston-Salem Fairground Annex. Puck drop at 7.35, and you can watch the game on YouTube or listen to it on the flagship station for your Columbus River Dragons WQEE 99.1. And then finally, Fan Appreciation Day at the Columbus Civic Center, April the 15th, the final regular season game for the Columbus River Dragons this season, taking on the Carolina Thunderbirds. Let's try to get these victories and overtake first place so we can get a number one seed in the playoffs. The playoffs will start Friday, April the 21st. You've got the 1-2 playoff format. So Danbury is going to be on the road against the fourth seed. Beamington is going to be on the road against the third seed. Games two will be Saturday and Sunday, so there's no days off. They're just going to go back and forth 
and play a best-of-three series. And then the second-round games will take place on Friday, April 28th. So if you look at the standings right now in the Federal Prospects Hockey League, you know, Carolina is the number one seed over in the Continental Division, followed by Columbus, the number two seed. The Motor City Rockers would be the number three seed. Port Huron is the number four seed. Now, these positions, number three and number four, are already locked in. Danbury would play Almira, and then Beamonton would play the defending Commissioner's Cup champion, Watertown Wolves. Regardless of the outcome and what Columbus does this weekend against Carolina, Columbus is going to get home ice in the first round because they're going to play either Motor City or Port Huron. Playoff tickets are on sale now, and they even got seven game packages. For more questions about playoff tickets, contact the River Dragons office at 706-507-4625 or email the ticket office at tickets at rdragons.com. Let's go, River Dragons. Let's hoist that Commissioner's Cup. So action in the NISL will continue this Friday as the Columbus Rapids will travel up to Fayetteville, North Carolina to take on the Fayetteville Fury. Then they are back in action at the Columbus Civic Center. Kickoff on the pitch will be 3.05 on Sunday, April the 16th. And yes, I will be back in action up in the broadcast booth. You know, I've not called a Columbus Rapids game since February the 22nd when they were playing the Strikers. Right now, the Columbus Rapids women's team is 5-4 and four on the season. Now, if the season ended today, they would make the playoffs. They have only played nine games, but Tampa Bay is right behind them. Tampa Bay was able to get both games at the Yingling Center against the Memphis Americans, who are in first place. Right now, Memphis has got a 6-3 record. Central Florida with a 7-4 record. Columbus right there at 5-4. Tampa Bay with a 5-6 record. And Fayetteville is 2-8. So that is going to be a very important game on the women's side as they try to get into the playoffs. Remember, only the top three teams will make the playoffs. Now let's go over to the men's side as Central Florida is the best team in the NISL. 11-0 Nobody has beaten them. In second place, the Memphis Americans at 5-4. They lost two games to the Tampa Bay Strikers. Tampa Bay is on a three-game win streak, and they have overtaken the Columbus Rapids, and they are currently in third place. Right now, the Rapids stand at 3-6 overall. They have lost five straight games, and their next two games against Fayetteville and against Tampa Bay are huge for playoff implications. You know, the regular season is winding down. After they take on Tampa Bay, they will go back on the road to take on Fayetteville, and then they will close out the regular season on Sunday, April 30th at the Youngling Center, taking on Tampa Bay once more. It looks like they're going to play the less games than everybody else in the regular season because of that three-game series that was postponed. But still a successful team. These two teams are very good. And so the leading goal scorers in the NISL, I mean, no surprise, Rafael Tobias, he is going to be the MVP of the league. He has got 40 points, 23 goals, 17 assists. I mean, he's just, he's blowing away the competition. 
I just I cannot believe what Rafael Tobias has been doing. You know, Jordy Georgievich won the MVP last year for Memphis. He only's got 17 goals. 17 goals. I mean, this guy, he's just a man among boys and should be playing at the next level of competition when it comes to soccer. On the women's side, I really like their chances to not only make the playoffs, but to win a playoff game. They have the front line of Olivia Gerald, Carly Banks, and Callie O'Connor. This lineup is lethal. Looking at the leading goal scorers for your Columbus Rapids women's team, Carly Banks leading the way with 11 goals, followed by Olivia Gerald with eight goals, and Callie O'Connor has got six goals. They account for 85% of the offense. It's just incredible what these superstars are doing. Congratulations to the LaGrange College baseball team for getting the sweep over Bell Haven. And the Columbus State Cougars dropped two out of three against Georgia Southwestern State University over the weekend at Burger King Stadium at Ragsdale Field. They lost on Thursday 8 to nothing. They won 8 to 3 in the first game of the doubleheader on Friday and then lost 5 to 3 in the second game. Their next three game series at Burger King Stadium at Ragsdale Field will be against Augusta University. Columbus State is 25 and 11 overall and 12 and 9 in Peach Belt play. Right now, their top hitters is Derek Weil. He's got 14 home runs with 45 runs batted in. Matthew McDade also has got 45 runs batted in. He's got eight home runs. And even though Noah Windhorse picked up his first loss of the season, remember this pitcher has got a no-hitter on the season. Columbus State is still a dangerous team, and good luck against the Jaguars of Augusta and a familiar face that they're going to see in this game. Columbus Chattahoots pitcher Brian Trepanier. You know what? He's been a guest on the show. I got to come down to see him. I'm going to do that. I owe that to Brian because he has been a guest on the show. The Chattahoots pitcher Brian Trepanier should be at Burger King Stadium at Ragsdale Field. That's going to be an awesome sight to see. All right, so before I close the show, I got a story I got to tell. Uh, so I was at that Zelmo's at the flat over in Midland getting gas. And so I go in and lo and behold, I see right at the front counter, multiple copies of the monthly newspaper, the Chattahoochee Valley Living. It did not sink in until I opened up that paper and started flipping through it and seeing my articles there with photos. I have written four articles for April's edition I've posted it on my social media. You should check it out. Yes, I have returned to being a sports writer. The last time I was a sports writer was in the year 2000 for the Chester County Independent. And I love sports. I'll write about sports. I'll broadcast sports. I'll even host a sports show. I mean, come on. I've had almost 600 episodes. So, you know, that's what I love doing. But you know, the one thing is, I have not had a guest on today's show, and I almost went the full hour. That has got to be a milestone for me. Of course, I throw in the commercial breaks in this show, but last time I went up to the station at WQEE and did the full hour in the studio, but it was easy because Ryan O'Neill was there, 
and he was my producer, and we would talk back and forth about local stuff that's going on in the Chattahoochee Valley. So with that being said, don't forget, this week I'm going to try to recap some of the high school baseball that's going on. we got a couple more weeks of high school baseball in the Chattahoochee Valley as we get ready for playoffs. Got a big game this Friday is Callaway. After losing to LaGrange at the branch on Friday, they will take on Calvary Christian on the campus of Calvary Christian University. That should be an incredible matchup. And then some of the high school football schedules are out. I used to call games for Russell County last year. They have officially released their schedule for the 2023 high school football season. And their first game is going to be in Hamilton, Georgia, taking on the Harris County Tigers. I am not sure if I'm going to be able to call that game, but that is one of those games which I feel needs to have coverage because of the close proximity with these two schools and these two passionate fan bases just outside of Columbus. Well, that's it. That is our show. I want to thank all my listeners who have faithfully downloaded my podcast and subscribed and liked my podcast and become a fan of mine on social media. Now, that's all I ask of you is that you just like my Facebook page, follow me on Twitter. I am on all social media. Now I can add to my resume sports writer for the Chattahoochee Valley Living. Oh, it's going to be incredible. And don't forget, I will have some guests on this week. Stay tuned for tomorrow's show and then Tuesday night, You can join me on Facebook Live for my 600th episode. It should be a good one. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day. And stay tuned for Braves Country Baseball with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Goodbye, everybody. You are listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM The Key from 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday, This is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.